0: Bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. With so many people now working remotely, we thought today's guest, Frank Cottle, would be a great fit for the audience. Frank is the founder and CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices, which provides virtual office and telecom solutions for companies all over the world. He's the founder and chairman of Alliance Business Centers Network, the world's largest network of business centers. He's also a frequent speaker on alternative office arrangements and thought leader in the commercial real estate industry. Welcome, Frank.
0: Well, hi, Diana. Great to be here.
1: Yes, this is an interesting time for us. So this topic <laughs> of remote workers and how does where people work impact how they work is such a critical need right now.
0: Well, I would agree with that. And I think today that uh, creativity is the watchword. People are making change. They're stepping out of their comfort zones and amazing solutions will be found. And I'll use a, a, a good example of Sir Isaac Newton. Most of his discoveries on gravity and his higher mathematics was actually done during the English plague of the late 1700s, during which time he had to leave college and work from his home.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, a lot of learnings and a lot of things going on, and I love that creativity. But before we get into the content of today's episode a little deeper, why don't we start with just sharing a little bit about your background and what brought you to the place where you are today?
0: Oh, boy, I've wandered a a, a, probably a pretty strange path. I started as a a commercial diver uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, working uh, both uh, commercially and also as a contractor to one of our federal agencies during the Vietnam era. Then I got married uh, in 71 and my wife and I decided interesting work was no longer a good uh, career path. Uh, So I started racing yachts. Uh, I've been born and raised on the beach in in Newport Harbor here in California. So sailing and racing was uh, in my blood. I started the current or the predecessor to our current company in 1979 80 when I decided that commercial real estate was probably going to be better than uh, racing outs for another decade or two. Although uh, I'm not sure that I made the right decision, honestly, because I was having so much fun <laughs> back then. We uh, started land banking. Um, I come from a old ranging and farming family here in California, so land is very much in the blood as well. What we would do, we would buy a, a parcel on the edge of a large master plan community that was developed by Prudential Land or Trammell Crow or the Irvine Company uh, and try and hold it for 10 years. But what we'd buy, we'd put up about a thirty-five to 50,000 foot building, um, uh, but we had three or four or 500,000 feet of entitlement rights to build. So we basically bought a big lot and put a small building on it. And at, back in the late 70s, I'd been watching these funny things called executive suites that were just starting to emerge. And I made the decision that that was the largest, the greatest amount of revenue per square foot in office space that I could get. And I had to learn how to, how to make that all work. So we built purpose-built buildings uh, for a decade across California, Arizona, and Texas, put uh, executive suites into them at that time. And that's where we learned to run flexible workspace. Sold that portfolio in 1990 uh, and uh, started leasing space from larger landlords and doing management contracts with them and myself and two other partners. I decided that I no longer wanted to own the facilities, but instead I wanted to own the customer. And very much you could see at that point in time uh, breaks in different industries along technology lines. And I'll use the hospitality industry as a good example. Uh, uh, In uh, the late nineties or mid nineties, Marriott had its own reservation system. Uh, By 2000 companies like Expedia had come along and had aggregated all of the hospitality industry into a customer-driven reservation structure with added benefits overall. So Expedia owned the customer, but they didn't own the hotels. So within our industry, we've decided to do the same thing. And we have built a global network of about 1,100 facilities. Um, They're owned independently, not by us. Um, but where we own the customers as a result of servicing a global constituency. So we have about 1100 operations in uh, 54 countries now, uh, and uh, a global customer base. And we really like the tech side of the business more than the facility side.
1: So maybe for our audience, could you give us a little bit of a, an image or paint the picture of what does a customer see when they go into one of these, you know, office spaces?
0: flexible workplace industry overall consists of all people, all, all providers that combine people, place, and technology into a single bundled product and deliver that product with a highly flexible service agreement. People-wise, it has all the clerical, secretarial, and administrative support, technology support that a, an occupant might require. It also provides the technology, bandwidth, telephony, et cetera. Uh, that the occupants need so that someone can come in and open an office anywhere in the world in an hour and be fully operational. In today's world, if you look at what all companies need, you can say, well, all companies need a product that appeals to customers. So all company needs customers. All companies need access to capital. And in today's world, especially, all companies need flexibility. Um, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? And what we're going through right now is a good example of that. Flexibility is key to survival in business. And so long-term leases, long-term employment agreements, uh, commitments to technology models that don't have flexibility um, are very large limiting factors to corporate growth or success or even sustainability.
1: Hmm. When I was moving out of corporate America in one um, executive position and moving into starting my own business, I met with a transitional coach from a large company. But when I met with him, it was in this beautiful building, and the receptionist was so nice, and the office was just lovely. And, you know, she took me down to his office. And unt- uh, not until I left did I realize. It was more that flexible work environment. So I,
0: if they, they were really nice and it was beautiful, it must have been one of them. I,
1: I was thinking that, you know, <laughs> but it was just a whole, it was such a positive customer experience for me. And then as I got to know this gentleman and I was working with him, he said, it's just a fantastic setup. You're not worrying about the building. You get the support you need for your customers and project the image that you want without all this overhead cost.
0: It materially reduces the capital expenditures required by customers, which we refer to as members, by the way. Uh, So we reduce CapEx, um, and we allow a a company to focus on its business. So one of the old sayings in our industry is, we'll manage your office while you manage your company. Uh, And that really comes true, especially when companies go outside of a, a single location. Today, so many companies are international, Uh, particularly in places like Europe and Asia. And once you cross a border, everything changes. All the rules change, all the business rules, the employment rules, the way the technology is set up, uh, everything changes. And so uh, if you're going to grow your company, do you want to worry about what the new employment rules are when you cross a border? Or do you just want to worry about servicing your customers because all the employees are provided to you with the facility that's providing all the technology that meets the local requirements as well. So you manage your company, we'll manage your office. And that makes a big efficiency difference.
1: So let's turn a little bit to what's going on. and, And hopefully by the time this airs, it'll be a little bit closer to being over. You personally have been talking about Um, flexible workspaces since like 1991, as I was looking through some of your information. And aside from what's going on right now with this pandemic and the rise of technology that really have helped to facilitate or mandate a virtual work environment, how have you seen that leaders are thinking about or how has their flexibility or how has their mindset changed in regards to flexible workspaces over the last, let's say, 30 years?
0: A lot of people, particularly younger people, are embracing this uh, and are very engaged with the change that's going on. I think much to the surprise of the C-level executives in many companies that have been kind of dithering back and forth on how they should put together a flexible workplace program, for economic reasons uh, uh, and for talent reasons. They've been kind of fumbling with it for a few years, and now all of a sudden they're doing it, and guess what? It works. (laughs) It just works. And the people people are leading uh, in that. So when I look at leadership, I think of all layers of a company, not just the C-level executives that are uh, possibly trying to set new policies and things.
1: Yeah. And maybe we continue on, on that thread a little bit because I've had the chance to coach several executives as we're going through, you know, this new normal or things that are turned upside down in the world right now. And, and it has been interesting, some of these leaders who have not been huge fans of letting their employees work virtually are seeing how productive their employees are. And how much work is getting done? And then there's some others that are questioning their leadership. How do I stay connected with all of these people that are now remote that I don't get to see on a day-to-day basis? What are you seeing in regards to the successes and the challenges and maybe any advice you might have?
0: Well, the challenges are really people challenges, I think. Uh, a, a physical workspace is, is seldom the issue. It, it's really people challenges, and that starts with the culture of the company and, and what sort of um, capability you have for decision-making. Uh, within our company, when we hire someone, uh, and it doesn't matter to what position, We give them our little company speech about how great everything's gonna be just like everybody does. But we tell them the one thing, the one thing that we will fire them for is if they do not make decisions. We actually require everybody in the company to be a decision maker. Because if a decision could be made at a low level within the company and not have to be elevated, then we can move much faster. It doesn't take more time and it doesn't take more layers of process to, to put things in place. So we empower people to make decisions. We have the simple philosophy that says, you know what? Oh, they're going to goof a few times. They're going to make the wrong decision. But if we've tasked them with doing so, that's not their fault. That's, and it's not our fault. It's just part of our process. And so we'll stand behind them. If they don't make decisions, then they can't keep up with the rest of the team. So when it comes to flexibility in the workplace and when it comes to people out on their own working remotely, if your culture doesn't allow them to make decisions, even small decisions, but they have to do things by the rule book or by this or that instead of just get things done, you will find that your culture doesn't hold together particularly well. People aren't happy uh, uh, out there because they they feel like they're they're bound instead of given freedom. Um And so that that capability is very, very important.
1: And I know you gave me a statistic. It was pretty phenomenal even before uh, this pandemic, the number of people that actually work virtually.
0: Yeah. Before this pandemic, the number of people that were working remotely, and that's defined uh, by the IDC as people that worked uh, two days or more away from the office on a permanent basis. So they had a permanent outside of the office flexible work plan. That was 1.8 billion people, or about a third of the entire workforce, if you if you come down to it. So a, an awful lot of people have been working remotely on a partial basis. That should have prepared, and I think as a as a, a workforce globally, we're much better prepared for remote work than a lot of people recognize. The difference is, instead of it being a couple days a week, now it's permanent. That shift of isolation uh, away from the office, uh, being not connected to people, as connected to people, that's a big cultural shift, uh, and that's what people are dealing with right now, and And I think it's the, the, up to the companies to create a virtual lunch hours or activities where teams all get together to use technology that's there today. Once you're used to that, it's very comfortable. You don't act any different, nothing's awkward. And it's very important that people, again, they may be working from home, but they don't have to work alone. And that's Mm -hmm. a big concept for people to get over.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point because as I've talked to some friends, and some different colleagues uh, throughout the years that you know have really wanted to work virtually. And now all of, a, all of a sudden, they're working virtually all the time, and they feel isolated. And I think one of the things that I'm still uh, sensing from the leaders is they're a little uncomfortable with the technology and doing this, being yeah, the one we, that we implements had, it.
0: Yeah, we, we had a virtual happy hour the other day. Okay. I mean, we had about 20 of us all up on a broken screen and, you know, we're doing tequila shooters. (laughs) uh, 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 So we had a virtual happy hour. It was fun. It was different. It was fun, but it allowed everybody to just break down. And that's what people have to do. Just grab the energy from everyone that's out there and, 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 and learn to do things differently the cliche of what is it the seven most dangerous words in business or in life because that's the way we've always done it
1: Mm.
0: okay well get over that (laughs) right now because that isn't going to work anymore if you've always done it that way you're dead you're done (laughs) your business is over you have to embrace change at a speed that you can manage but you still have to embrace it
1: yeah this has pushed people out of their comfort zone and leaders. And we're seeing some wonderful things. People stepping up to lead and people at the top relying on some of their younger leaders to ask, can you host this meeting? Can you teach me how to do this? And how sure. do we make this virtual meeting a little more interesting? So it is kind of exciting to see some of the positives coming out. So you said before this, you know, craziness started in the world, there was 1.8 billion people, almost a third of the workforce working remotely. And I like how you defined it. Working remotely could be in this you know, uh, virtually at home, it could be in a Starbucks, it could be in one of these office buildings that you rent space from. Um, what is your prediction? What is this going to do for virtual workspaces in the future? What do you, what do you see in the next five years or so?
0: I think the, the number of people that work Uh, away from the the core office will increase. I mean, that's that's inevitable. Um, But more than the sheer number of people that increase, because all job descriptions don't really allow that, production workers versus knowledge workers, et cetera. Um, But the uh, number of days that people work away, right now the average definition for a remote worker is two days. Well, let's say that just goes up to three days. Well, that's another 20% of time spent in remote work and what that does for larger corporations, it allows them to reassess all their own real estate use and restructure themselves that way to create not just a better workplace for people, but also a better value to their shareholders uh, and a more sustainable business. Um, So we're seeing that sort of thing migrate forward and and would have expected that to happen uh, naturally. Again, this pandemic is get, get everybody's toe in the water whether they like it or not but the long-term effects really won't be that different than what we would have had most likely anyway Mm -hmm. uh, which is a steady migration towards flexibility and a remote workplace we also see technologies changing uh, particularly uh, virtual reality and uh, holographic technologies that will change the way we're able to uh, meet virtually so right now i'm sitting uh, in my home office properly isolated and socially distant Uh, so i'm sitting in my home office and you're uh, at your home office um, but you're not sitting in my office you're still in your office well with holographic technology that's developed today you could actually be sitting in my office with me and changes in the technology of how we meet virtually will really change Uh, i could strap on a headset like a gaming headset and you could walk into my office uh, and we could both both be in the same space virtually. All of this is coming along and it will materially change how we look at the activity of officing in the future uh, and how we think about meetings in the future. Um, so that's something I'm quite looking forward to.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Are there any other tips or things that you can... Um, entice our audience with that's coming in the future or some companies that are already doing some futuristic things in regards to virtually connecting and doing work?
0: I think it really, really comes down to everybody assessing their own situation and uh, recognizing uh, the tools that they have available to them. I think a lot of companies take the position, you know, they say about tools, if uh, every problem's a nail, then the only tool you need is a hammer. Uh, so w- what you have to look out today is say, well, what are all the tools that I could use for a problem? And not all problems are the same, uh, and all challenges. And just go forward. Um, it's not, it's not scary. And, and it starts with where you came from, Diana, talent and people, um, really focus on the right people and the people that have the capacity to embrace uh, all the dynamics of work, not just do I get the, the corner office or do I sit in the cube farm or, or whatever, but, but how they work is about how they, they find their own levels of productivity. And I know in certain environments, I'm really good in an office. In other environments, I need to be head down. I actually prefer to work at home I have a project. I want to be head down on it. I don't want dis- uh, disturbances. so I can be much more productive by using being in the right environment for the right purpose. Yeah. And I think that's what remote work teaches us.
1: I think that's an excellent point because based on what people are doing, what type of work and what they need to accomplish that day really can influence where they should be working. Because some, and, and the type of person they are. You know, we had people who were very extroverted, and you isolated them, and they were like, lack of creativity came through, and they needed that stimulus of talking to other people. So that's where those virtual calls during lunch and, you know, checking in with people was important. But then we had people who really just needed to have quiet space where they could think and knock things out, designers and writers that put together some really creative stuff. And you put them in an office that was more open to air and people walking around, and they couldn't function. So I love this idea of empowering your employee to know where they need to work.
0: Well, it's important. I mean, if you think about Creativity and and let let's take art for a minute. Uh, let's take painting. Um, a great painter. Have you ever heard of a great painter that where they all got together? All the great painters got together and worked in a, in one building. No. no, it doesn't happen. Creativity oftentimes is a very personal and comes from uh, I, I won't say isolation, but it comes from the ability to just. Quietly think and then act out what you've considered. And oftentimes that's when the best discoveries, the best art, the best literature, and the best business ideas come from. Why do you think the old story about, oh, yeah, they they started it in a garage, two people, they started it in a garage. They were able to just be there doing something. Uh, And thinking about what they were doing and then building on their own thought processes without being encumbered with everything else. And I think that's what we have the opportunity to do right now. And that's what companies have the opportunity to do right now is to turn every one of their employees or their team members into those garage inventors, uh, those creatives that can find solutions, and then bring those solutions back to the team, share them, uh, and help the whole company go forward because of it. So uh, th- this will be a time of, of exploration and creation as opposed to isolation and uh, people becoming less productive.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I believe. We're going to set a new normal out there. You know, think about school systems that have invested in getting all of their students connected. And yeah, but able-
0: remember, as soon, as soon as you have a new normal, it's normal, and so it's not new.
1: <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, but you know, you just wonder now the investment that's being made to get people um, set up to work virtually it'll really be contingent on what happens in regards to productivity. We already know, you know, how satisfaction for employees and commitment goes up when they get to choose how and where they're going to work. So I I don't know, I think this, like you said, is going to be a turning point for us. So, any other advice that you might have for our talent champions? Many of these individuals are working with the C-suite leaders and helping determine, you know, where the company should be going in the future. So, what advice do you have in regards to helping influence leaders to think about virtual work environments and flexible environments in the future?
0: First, uh, knowing who you are and what your cultures are within your company that that's critically important. And to, to have that well-defined thereafter, trust your teams more than anything else. And in, tr- in, in doing so they have to trust you as a, a, as an executive or a leader within the company to give them the tools that allow them to work flexibly if they're going to do remote work, whether it's in a an emergency situation or whether it's in a planned situation, the one thing that we hear a lot about with people that are told to go get a remote office—it's five minutes from their house instead of an hour commute or something—is that the company really doesn't provide them with the, the, the best tools, and so they always feel like they have to go back instead of really work remotely. They're they struggle with that. So trust the people and give them the right tools. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the critical critical
1: and when you talk to remote workers what do you hear from them what are what are they enjoying the most about working remotely
0: oh well everybody knows it's working in their pajamas (laughs) everybody knows that Uh, yeah yeah, don't go to a meeting without your pants on (laughs) Uh, no uh, uh, the i think people appreciate if it's truly given to them, the empowerment that they have to, again, exercise their own decisions and make their own judgments. um, That's something that I believe that people truly appreciate. And I think that their contributions back to a company, if they are given that empowerment, are massive, just massive. Lead by objectives, not by tasks. Um, uh, I think that's a, an important thing that a lot of line managers, um, even for, for knowledge workers, lead by too many tasks. Um, um, uh, you have to get this done by the end of the day. Instead of saying, uh, our objective overall this week is to accomplish the following three things, uh, let me know if you need any help. Um, and just let let people run. You'd be surprised at how smart everybody is you you want to tap into that talent and i think this is the time to do so yeah
1: and just reducing the amount of time people take to get ready and then to commute i mean average commutes especially in larger cities is so high you think about that that time that those individuals could use to be even more productive at work or to do the things that energize them and make them feel more fulfilled. So when they show up at the job, they're bringing their whole self and, and they're really energized and, and jazzed up. To me, that's well, a huge thing. Yeah,
0: there, uh, there's an awful lot of energy uh, wasted uh, at, at all levels moving people around to get them from where they live to where they work. And today it's not necessary. Uh, if you stopped the daily commute of everybody in New York for one day think of the, the energy you would save. Think of the extra time that person would have. That person now would have two extra hours that week to spend with their family or to spend working. What we find is we say, Oh, you're going to work remote and this and that. Well, people are kind of used to getting up and getting into a work mindset at a certain type time. And where they might drag into the office five or ten minutes late before they're prepared to work, when they're working remotely, they're usually there fifteen to thirty minutes early.
1: Right.
0: If your teams get the gift of time back, their productivity will go up materially. Yeah, I still um, agree. But don't forget that virtual happy hour. You've got you've got to bring everybody together for fun stuff, not just for a, a team meeting or for a project. Yeah. You, if if you're going to work remotely, you have to you have to be still be social.
1: Great advice. So who's one person that's had the greatest impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence?
0: Oh, that'd be my dad. No question about it. He was a very successful entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. Uh, So I grew up hearing stories and understanding challenges around the dinner table from the time I was a little kid. And he always uh, encouraged me to do what I wanted and what made me happy uh, without being selfish, of course, and to find my own path. And, and I could say my dog, too, because, you know, I only hope to be as good as my dog already thinks I am.
1: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Do you have a final piece of advice for our talent champions?
0: Yeah, I, I think just, again, back to the thing: trust your teams. Um, l- let let them make more decisions. Uh, they'll have to if they're working remotely. Um, so encourage that. And you'll find a whole new layer of leaders will emerge naturally and comfortably to help drive whatever objectives you have forward.
1: Great advice. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more from you?
0: Oh, I'm working from home, so I'm totally isolated. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just uh, go to uh, uh, alliancevirtualoffices.com if you want to learn more about our business, uh, or if you want to learn more about the flexible workspace industry overall. Uh, we have a publication that we reach about two and a half million people a month with it, so it's, it's a, a fairly good publication called allwork.space. There's a lot of articles for all aspects, whether they're large corporate users or government or whether it's people operating business centers or co-working centers. Um, we cover the whole gamut.
1: Great. Well, it's been a pleasure. And we'll make sure when we send out this podcast that we uh, also include some links to some of the resources that you mentioned. So thank you so much. This was really great information, very timely for what's going on in the world and uh, inspirational to what we will be dealing with in the future as well.
0: Well, thank you very much, Diana. And anything we can ever do to help, just uh, let us know.
1: Here's a key summary of today's episode's points. With the current global events, a hastily dispersed workforce is enabling leaders at all levels of the company to solve problems and showcase their capabilities. Companies that have been talking about implementing flexible work policies for a long time have suddenly had to just do it. And it remains to be seen whether or not these circumstances will lead to positive change in the long run. The challenges associated with leading teams remotely tends to be people challenges when you drill down into them. For remote work to succeed, people have to be empowered to make decisions. It comes down to a culture of trust. When you're all not in the same office, you have to trust your people will do what they need to do learn to lead by giving objectives instead of tasks, and put in place accountability measures to keep teams on track. Prior to the pandemic, 1.8 billion people were working remotely around the globe, with remote work being defined as two or more days out of the core office. This trend has been building for a long time, and we're better prepared for it as a global workforce many people realize. Working from home doesn't have to mean working alone. There are so many technologies that enable us to stay connected and leaders can create opportunities for teams to socialize as well. Whether that's virtual lunches or happy hours, it's important to add these informal interactions into the work from home day. Enabling remote work with the right tools is crucial. Struggles with connectivity and other tech issues have torpedoed many remote work efforts in the past, and it just can't happen right now. Invest in the tools people need to succeed. When the pandemic dies down, Frank predicts that fewer people will return to offices or that more people will work remotely more frequently. Companies now have made huge investments in setting up people to work from home, and they may not step back from all of that. More prevalent, flexible work policies would enable companies to reassess their real estate use, ultimately lowering cost and creating a more sustainable business. Thank you so much for joining us from wherever you're working today. I hope you stay healthy, practicing self-care, and doing what you need to do to make it through this challenging time. Please join us again in two weeks when we'll be talking about the differences between motivation and inspiration. Although they're linked, they're not the same, and the differences will surprise you. To join our email list and receive a notification when the next episode releases, please visit our website, talent-champions.com, and click on subscribe. Our email subscribers also receive bonus content from our guests.
0: Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.